0: We hear more rumors about Russell Westbrook possibly going to the Charlotte Hornets, plus we gauge the fan reaction on the firing of James Borrego. and of course, people are piling on the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, for possibly being the head decision-maker on that front. We'll talk about all of it today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In the we live. We live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, L O H. And you can follow the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. How are you recovering, Doug? You good? Kind of. Brought yourself back a little bit after the news that broke Friday?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I'm a, I'm a warrior. I've uh, been built for this. I've been, I've been, listen, I've been covering this organization. I've been a fan of this organization for a long time. So I, I am, I am not unaccustomed to sudden changes in leadership.
0: Yeah. We talked about the surprising factor of this, not necessarily that nobody expected it. I kind of described it the other day as it was surprising, maybe not shocking. It's not like I thought this was an impossibility of taking place because as soon as they lost in the embarrassing fashion they did against the Atlanta Hawks, it was always going to leave that door open. Uh And then it was just that I think it was nine days to the day that the season ended And Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets decided to make this decision to move on from James Borrego. We'll get to the Russell Westbrook uh, rumors in just a moment as well. But as we're kind of talking about this Borrego stuff, what do you think the fan reaction was As, as far as Doug Branson's timeline goes from what you saw on Twitter, from what you saw overall, whether you were taking in different media personalities, opinions, just the normal fan, whatever that may mean. What did you take in from the fan reaction?
1: I feel like it was pretty 50-50, honestly. I, I think it was 50-50, but, but really... Oh,
0: boy. Alarm off. Um, did, did something happen with the Hornets again? Oh, man. Or did they fire Mitch Kupchak? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: alert, alert. No. Um, so I think it was 50-50, but I think it was really po- polarized. Like I really feel like you either felt like, yes, absolutely, this was the right move, or you felt like... Wow, this organization has really bungled it again. I mean, you had the, you know, you could have sort of had the Scott Fowler end of the spectrum with the the observer, um, you know, column that he put out that MJ is just a terrible owner, and you have that end of the spectrum, or you have the end of the spectrum that said JB was obviously not the leader of the future, and you know the organization needed to move on.
0: Yeah, I I kind of feel that way, too. I think a lot of the fans were ready to move on from James Borrego. I think a lot of the media were probably saying it wasn't time to move on from James Borrego at that point, especially national media. If you weren't in Charlotte and we kind of talked about this on Friday, but a lot of the national media was caping for JB saying he should have been back. The fact they would point to the increased win total by 10 every single season which has been the number one storyline the number one piece of ammo that you use if you want to defend james brego along with the player development where guys got really nice second contracts and have made a name for themselves as a young rotation player. I mean, that's real, I think. And so, you know, Borrego, we've gone through all of the good that he did. And yet here I am, Doug, not necessarily being on one side or the other. I am sitting on the fence swinging my feet freely while everybody yells at me for not joining that side. Like, that's just kind of how it is. I didn't think James Borrego was one that absolutely needed to be fired. I didn't think that was it was crazy that the Charlotte Hornets decided to do so. Like, I don't think it's insane that Michael Jordan felt the need to get rid of a head coach that did ultimately not have this team prepared the last couple of play-in games. Yes, the roster needs to be upgraded Quite a bit, especially at the center spot. And we'll see the other decisions Mitch Kupchak or whatever general manager is in place has to do and what they will do. At the same time, you know, I understand why the Charlotte Hornets are moving on despite some of the good things that have taken place over the last two years.
1: I get the arguments, but it's been yeah. four seasons. And you've got two embarrassing play-ins as yeah. evidence of what the future could possibly hold for this organization. I mean, I think it's that's the difference between the two Fan reactions. One looks at the play in and one looks at the regular season win totals and looks at, you know, individual player development. And, you know, look, there is, there's discussion, there's heat. I don't know how valid it is, but there's discussion amongst the Jay Williams and the Tracy McGrady's of the world, the people that are the talking heads on ESPN, and they're starting, they're starting the chatter of LaMelo Ball needs to get out of Charlotte and go to LA or wherever and and you know, realize his superstar dreams. I don't think that Shatter comes necessarily from nowhere like I don't think Tracy McGrady just like woke up one morning and thought to himself yeah I've got this same take that Jay Williams had the other day I'm just going to go ahead and put that out on the air no I mean I think these things come from somewhere and I feel like the organization this was a little bit sudden there are two types of coaching changes right there's the coaching change that everyone sees coming from a mile away and you know you've got a lame duck situation they're just waiting to push the guy out the door and then you've got the situation that James Brago was in, which is essentially he's fighting for his job, and the decision is going to be a meeting between MJ and Mitch Kupchak and other organization officials, and everybody's going to discuss it, and you're going to have evidence on one side and evidence on the other. And then the ultimate decision maker is the guy who owns the team. He makes a decision, and it seems sudden. But I don't think this seems chaotic. You know, I don't, I don't think this was a chaotic decision. I think there's plenty of evidence uh, that supports a move at this time.
0: Well, that that's the thing. And maybe we can end on this for the first segment, why the nine days took place before this decision was met. And you have to imagine that conversations just kind of progress that way. You know, what can take place here is that you have James Borrego go through all of these meetings with his individual players. And then, of course, that's just the car wash that is exit interviews. Those players have their meeting with Borrego. Then those players go to the media and they're done. And they're leaving Spectrum Center for a vacation to go work out, whatever they decide to do at the beginning of their offseason. And then you have Borrego have this sit down with Mitch Kupchak, of course, with Michael Jordan, and they're trying to figure out the best thing for this franchise to do moving forward and what could Absolutely take place is the fact that Borrego and let's say MJ, because that's what Shams Rainey put out there. The fact that this was kind of spearheaded by Michael, the fact that he wanted to move on, maybe even more so than Mitch Kupchak. So these talks happen. Well, I think we should do this. Michael thinks, well, no, this is what you should have done in the first place. All right, well, we'll talk tomorrow, whatever those kind of, it's not shocking to me at all too, to see that it kind of happened here. Like, it's not like we were a month into the off season. That would be a lot more weird to me, but a week took place and here the Charlotte Hornets are trying to find a new head coach, by the way, it's not like any other team that had another, you know, had a head coach exit their organization. They haven't named anybody yet, you know? So it's, it's not like the Hornets have missed out on a ton of ground to hire somebody they really want to. The Kings have interviewed a couple of different candidates, but you know no, see, nobody's see, now, that's yet. a
1: great point Walker that would have been chaotic had you held James Borrego because he was on a contract it wasn't like his deal was expiring they I mean, obviously they extended
0: him part uh, of the, the, that's part of the weirdness that, it, that's part
1: but of the yeah. weirdness but at the same time had they held on to Borrego through some of the offseason and then you know be being indecisive about it and then mm-hmm. decided to let him go that I would have criticized I'd have been like what were you waiting for like, like don't Absolutely. go through any part of this offseason if you think you don't want to move." forward with the head coach um, I, I by the way I feel the same way about the general manager position like if they're going to keep Mitch Kupchak in the general manager role or move on from him completely or move him into a different role they need to hurry up make that decision I need to hear about it yeah. because you know we, we've got off with this is an important off season. we've got work to do people I want to know who's in charge
0: the, the GM is most important because at, the longer you wait to make that final decision The longer everything else has to wait, unless you want to be one of these organizations that is chaotic, where you have Michael Jordan making a couple of moves and then hiring a general manager to make the rest of the moves like that, that is the sign of dysfunction. And that's what you absolutely do not want. And we'll see exactly what takes place going forward. But coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast... We're going to be talking about more of the Russell Westbrook rumors, also Michael Jordan in that piece from Scott Fowler, and the fact that I just nailed that transition. Thank you very much. So let's talk about Athletic Greens first, though. What is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus, and aging all of those things with the help of ag1 it's a lifestyle friendly product as well whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free it is the product for you to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreenscom nba network Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's talk more about Russell Westbrook, some of the other things taking place this off season with Charlotte Hornets up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets.
1: So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden, we like players who have no
0: idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want them to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug, the Russell Westbrook rumors are as prevalent as ever. They are ramping up. I feel like as far as a team that has been linked to him before, you know, we've had this experience maybe a couple of years ago before LaMelo ball was on the roster. We thought Mm -hmm. that maybe they would make a trade for him when he was with the Houston Rockets at that point. It feels more real now. The fact that it's just not going away. And we know the Lakers want desperately to move off of that contract because they're in a very much so win now scenario with LeBron James with Anthony Davis, you don't know how many more healthy years you're going to get from AD. You don't know how many years period you're going to get from LeBron and Charlotte would have a contract that they would want to give back to LA and Gordon Hayward. You know, Terry Rozier's contract is certainly interesting. That would be a couple of players that could help the Lakers if they felt like, I mean, there, there are some things to like there. point being, it feels real that this thing could happen. And the more I see people putting their opinion on this, some are okay with it because of the way that you would be able to get off of Gordon Hayward's contract. But ultimately, everybody is scared to death of affecting LaMelo Ball. And that's exactly where I am. I do not want to mess with LaMelo Ball taking the basketball out of his hands because there's a very real shot Russell Westbrook would play for this team. Now, if you want to trade for him and then figure out how to get rid of him via buyout or do whatever to make sure he does not share the floor with your young star point guard. Cool. We'll have to figure out how the payroll works out and some of the business decisions on that front. But if he's sharing the court with LaMelo, I can't imagine he's coming off of the bench. And that means not a very good basketball product in my opinion. Like that, that's what I'm scared of most about Doug. What do you think about all this Russell stuff continuing to stay at the forefront?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would would make them immediately worse at shooting the basketball, something that they were very good at doing (laughs) last season and and really helped them to 43 wins. You know, without some incredible shooting performances, this would have been a demonstrably worse regular season. They probably wouldn't have even been in contention for a play-in embarrassment, uh, which might have been better overall, but... Uh, so I you know that 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 scares me that it makes them worse o- worse offensively because you're getting rid of Gordon Hayward, who if healthy is one of your better has been over the past couple of seasons one of your better three point shooters and then Terry Rozier, who has not only been one of your better three point shooters but just one of your better offensive players, especially in the clutch you're giving up two valuable pieces to your offense you know again when healthy obviously is the, the the big word but you are gaining in Russell Westbrook somebody who is durable like the the one thing he does <laughs> Some Lakers fans probably didn't want him to do this, but he stays healthy and he likes to play basketball. He likes to, you know, that's a that's a valuable thing in today's NBA. And a lot of these stars really enjoy uh, actually playing basketball anymore. But um, so you you get that. Uh, But I agree with you. I think it would be interesting if they brought in Russell Westbrook for a year. At that point, I'm like, why don't you just keep James Borrego, right? Why don't you just like, well, why would you get rid of Borrego if you feel that urgency to move on and then take on a player in Russell Westbrook who is clearly a one-year solution for your books, not really for your basketball? That, that would make sense yeah. to me.
0: Yeah. Does Michael feel the need to win now? And does he think Russell Westbrook is something that helps that? Because to me it doesn't. Well, can me, and, 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 and
1: and can you still bring in a decent defensive center if you exchange Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier for Russell Westbrook? Do you have the available assets and financial flexibility to make that happen? Because look, I mean Russell Westbrook plus a above average defensive center. You know, Russell Westbrook on a bounce back year. I mean, he can't shoot the ball as. Terribly as he did last season. Like if it continues to decline, then you're in trouble. But if he has any kind of bounce back year, plus a, a decent defensive center, that might be enough. That might you know Miles Bridges, you get you get him back. I mean you bring back some of this the rest of this core. That might be enough to get you you know at least a play in win.
0: Yeah, that is the optimism for you. I do not share that optimism that Russell is going <laughs> to have a, a bounce well it's year.
1: Tenuous. The optimism is tenuous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying or to figure out. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You know, because it might happen and we're gonna to have to try to figure out ways to make that positive to some degree on some days, but at the same time, Russell Westbrook. What does that mean for your coaching search so, though,
1: Walker? Well, what well it, the thing is doesn't it, it means take Frank it takes Vogel's Vogel? Here. Yeah, it takes Vogel out of the <laughs> yeah. conversation completely. But not only that, like you know, you can't at that point, if you bring in Russell Westbrook for a year, you can't take a flyer or or get anyone inexperienced. You gotta bring in somebody that Russell Westbrook is going to respect out of the gate like you can't take a chance on on an assistant coach that nobody's ever heard of, James Borrego essentially like I don't think you can do that with Russell Westbrook on your roster
0: yeah Russell uh, that's funny because I did see somebody else tweet that if if you are interviewing to be the Hornets head coach then you might need to make sure a certain trade does not happen and that certain trade would be to trade for might Russell Westbrook. For it. yeah Especially- I mean it's,
1: it's got to come up in the interview because of how as you said it's prevalent it's out there Who's making that out there? Probably, uh, you know, reps within Westbrook's camp, maybe reps, uh, you know, within the Lakers' camp. You know, who's putting that out there? We don't know. But uh, it makes a lot of sense from a financial perspective. Like, you understand why the Hornets would want to do it on a long-term basis, but it makes no sense if your attitude is, hey, the Hornets should try their best to win next season with LaMelo Ball.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I I don't want it ultimately. I do not want this Russell Westbrook thing to happen, but again, it continues to be in the news, Doug, and it continues to be kind of towards the top targets for a Russell Westbrook. I saw Indiana mentioned, but other than that, like you don't see too many teams mentioned. I mean at all. I would say this,
1: it would be way weirder to see Russell Westbrook in a Pacers uniform. Like I could see him in a Hornets uniform.
0: He already why wore is that because you're right. I don't understand why you're right, but I'll it's tell true. you why. Indiana just doesn't seem right.
1: It's odd colors, like he's already worn the OKC orange okay. and blue, which are just not you know, yellow
0: pa- and blue kind of the Serves colors, though. Yeah, but Pacers like, have been around
1: I, for a I, long time, like that's just been burned into our collective okay. consciousness. That the Pacers yellow and blue is just part of the fabric of the NBA, whereas OKC came along late, kind of like the Hornets. The Hornets went away, they wore orange for a little while. Now back to the teal and purple. I'm just saying it would be way weirder to see him in Pacers yellow and blue than it would be to see him in teal and purple.
0: You're you're so right. It's so true. I don't know why that image feels a lot weirder, but thank you, at least for trying to explain it. Facts. I I, I like that. I like that idea. That's facts, baby. That's from Doug Branson. Okay, (laughs) there you go. We're going to get more of that coming up from Doug in just a second, but also coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Two for two, kind of
1: transition a little slow,
0: but at least I did my part. All right,
1: Everybody's a critic.
0: Look, hey, I I will take my credit if I'm only like one of six. You're damn right. I'm going to take my credit for that one time that I got it right. All right. This is the time of year. A lot of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. You don't have to, especially if it means sticking to staying fit this season. What you can do is you can go to built.com and get the delicious built bars that taste so good because they're covered in hundred percent real chocolate, but they're also good for you. As far as the low calorie amount, the high protein amount, also low in sugar, but high in fiber, go to built.com use promo code lock 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. I want to talk about the expectations for whatever head coach comes in next season with the Hornets coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's
1: first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now.
0: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. For those that can't see or that are watching YouTube and and maybe are wondering why I keep like going towards the left of my screen, it's because the beagle puppy that I've had for, I don't know, like six months now, Mm -hmm. obviously continues to grow. Mm -hmm. And when he is growing now that he is trying like in old episodes, he would try to get on my lap and jump up. And I could just kind of scoot him away and you wouldn't be able to see him in the camera because he's shorter. Now he's a little bit taller. And now I thought maybe you could see a beagle nose, a couple of beagle paws. And so that's why I'm trying to talk hornets, scoot the beagle away in one area. And it's a different time we're recording too. So, like, this is not necessarily his jam right now. This is everything that I'm having to deal with behind the scenes.
1: (laughs) I mean, a lot going on. I have a beagle. You have a a baby. I
0: appreciate it. You're a radio pro. You have a baby i have a you. baby. You have a, you be- have a Beagle. Yeah, I've got, I got a Beagle. That's how it goes. Let's talk about this Michael Jordan article before we get to some of the expectations that might be placed on the head coach, Doug. So Scott Fowler, he basically writes that Michael Jordan is the one constant In the problems that the Hornets have experienced for a very long time since the second coming of the franchise after the original franchise left for New Orleans. Michael has been the majority owner and here is just yet what he considers another flaw, another problem, another mistake from Michael as the owner. I don't necessarily look at it that way for a couple of reasons. I think the process and how they went about hiring James Borrego was the right process. You know, they hire a GM first. It seems like Michael allowed Mitch Kupchak to do what he wanted when he was finding his head coach. Like, you know, they did interview a lot of guys. I've, I've gone through that quite a bit. They ultimately settled on James Borrego and after two embarrassing play in losses, even if it is reported that Michael is meddling. Yeah. That's concerning. Like you don't want Michael to come in and just take the power away from the general manager all the time. I don't want that. I'm not saying he's a great owner, I don't look at this decision from Michael, who might decide to let go of JB as, oh, same old Michael, just an awful owner in the NBA. I don't feel that way, Doug. Is that how you feel after reading that Scott Fowler article? No,
1: no, listen. Scott Fowler's the same guy who tweeted, As much as I would like uh, to like the Charlotte Hornets deciding to pick LaMelo Ball at number three, three, I just don't. I think the pick was a mistake. Here's why. Column. (laughs) like So let me just give you that for a little context. Number two, yeah, the title of this is Michael Jordan has failed as an NBA owner. Borrego's firing is just the latest example. And if you actually dig into the column, unfortunately, there is some like nuance and, and some conversation worth having, but it's sandwiched in this old, tired idea of Michael Jordan failure owner, failure executive that a lot of people who haven't been following very closely over the past couple of years don't understand that Michael has gotten out of the way, that he has allowed some things to happen, and the Hornets, I think, have started to move towards success. And and, and really, it's how you view this. If you view the Borrego firing as here's just one more example of Michael Jordan making a a basketball decision, and I don't like that, then you're going to view this as like a same old MJ, MJ failure. Or if you view it as like, this was actually just a natural evolution of, hey, you hired somebody, they did some good things, got you to a certain position, and now you need to make that next evolution, then then maybe you don't necessarily view it that way. So it's it's all about what what lens you view this whole Michael Jordan thing. Because here's the thing, He's the owner of the team. So while you – I certainly agree with you, Walker. I don't want Michael Jordan meddling all the time. I don't want him overruling Mitch Kupchak's drafting decisions. Um, But he's the owner of the team. Like, I've always said this. If you're going to own a team, like, you should have some say. We we should want an owner that is somewhat invested in the product – that they're putting out on the floor. You should want the owner to want a good basketball product. And while Michael Jordan has struggled to <laughs> give us examples of that, you know, turning out uh, positively, there have been some examples where, where he has uh, hired the right people. And so hopefully they'll go through that same process again and come out on the other side with someone who's ready to lead this basketball team in uh, a playoff direction.
0: Yeah, the, the evidence for Scott Fowler's argument would be more so to kind of look at a Terry Rogier signing, you know, that, that kind of looked like that was MJ wanting to bring back somebody to put butts in the seats that had this capability of scoring and Terry Rogier at least got to a contract that is worth now, you know, over $20 million a year. And even though I have, you know, talked about that contract in a negative way, like, you know, Terry Rozier has been somebody that has kind of worked out for the Charlotte Hornets. And when you talk about Michael Jordan, having his hand in that decision, it scares you because I don't know how much Mitch Kupchak wanted Terry. I don't know about the Gordon Hayward situation. I do feel like Michael has his hand in some of these decisions made based on the roster. It doesn't seem like that for the draft as much. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I do feel like Mitch Kupchak has been able to decide what he wants to do via the NBA draft and you know, maybe some of these decisions as to not sign a center. Like, I don't know that Michael is pounding the table for Mason Plumley and not bringing in Rashawn Holmes. I mean, is that is that an MJ move? You know, I don't think so. That, I you know, look. There are some I things that he does that too, is troublesome. <laughs> you said what?
1: I said they dodged one there too. By the way, the whole Rashawn well, Holmes yeah. situation.
0: Well, yeah. Well, well, with the Rashawn Holmes situation, sure. And so I don't. There are some things that he does that he might have his hand in that are troublesome to me. I think my point is that this is not one, like this is one where I can understand why he would decide to move on.
1: Well, any fair evaluation of Michael Jordan's tenure in Charlotte has to recognize that this organization, uh, no fault of Jordan's has not been very lucky. And (laughs) in this article, uh, (laughs) I just laugh every time I read it in this article, uh, Fowler goes, Charlotte hasn't been without talent for Jordan's tenure. Kimball Walker oh, and Gerald yeah. Wallace were both all-stars along with ball. And there have been other good players.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, like you just, you made Fallon. the opposite
1: Scott- point. You were trying to make a point and you made the opposite point. You made look, the exact point that they haven't had a ton of talent. Some of that you can lay on the feet of the organization. Um, some bad draft decisions. I mean, Frank Kaminsky being sort of the the pinnacle of that, but also, they, they just haven't been very lucky.
0: I mean, yes. I, look, I like Scott Fowler. He's a good dude. At the same time, when you're bringing up Gerald Wallace. I don't Kimball know anything. I'll really say I
1: don't know anything about him. I'm just saying this article is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I just, no, I'm I know. Gerald
0: J- Wallace is a one-time All-Star. He was literally the only All-Star the Bobcats had ever seen. And then it's Kimball Walker in the second iteration of the Hornets that reaches a few All-Star games. That's it. You know, Al Jefferson made All-NBA at the same time. It's going to take a little more than that to win a playoff series. Now, if you want to combat that and say, okay, it's because the lack of talent, it's because of Michael Jordan that they had the lack of talent. Okay, fine. Like if you want to talk about drafting Frank Kaminsky, you know, instead of a couple of other moves they could have made, whatever, you know, fine. But at the same time, yeah, this James Brago stuff is interesting. And now that we talk about the expectations real quick, unless you had something else. No, I'm
1: I'm gearing up for this, this question you're about to ask.
0: Right. So I, I was on Charlotte Sports Live. Will Kunkel was talking about the expectations, and he said they have to be expected to win 50 plus games next year. If you fire James Brego after 43 victories, then this coach is expected to win 50. I don't see it that way. I don't think that you're expected to win 50 plus games or even necessarily 48. Doug, to me, it's all about getting to the postseason and at least getting to a playoff series. Mm-hmm. If that means that you win 43 games and the Eastern conference is a little worse for injuries, for movement, for whatever, Mm -hmm. and you actually get to a seven seed playoff series that will be viewed as good enough. If they win 45, that's, that's the goal, right? To me, it's to get to a playoff series and then Michael Jordan's move, the Hornets move will be vindicated. But to me, it's, it's not, I don't think that they're asking to win 50 in order to justify this new hiring of a head coach.
1: So that'd be Seven more wins. The last time they went to the playoffs in 2016, they won 48 games. And due to some tiebreakers, they could have been the three seed with 48 wins, but they ended up being the sixth seed with 48 wins. Uh, so no, I, I disagree with Kunkel. As much as I respect Wilk, I know a lot about Wilk. Shout Kunkel. out. Shout, Shout out. out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of respect for Wilk <laughs> Kunkel. He would not write this article.
0: But but and and you know, but he but he was just echoing the sentiment of, of quite a few. I agree. See, I agree, like, See, I agree the with the sentiment.
1: Yeah. I agree that the expectations need to be playoff series. They need to be, I think, more than 43 wins. So what mm-hmm. what you know, whatever number you want to assign that 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, that's fine. Um <laughs> I don't think if if they win forty nine games, I don't think that's and make a you know, and are the sixth seed then that's not a disappointment. If they get into oh, the play-in, no. say they're a 7 seed, uh, and they have to play a play-in game and then they win that play-in game and get to the playoffs, I'm not going to be disappointed by that. I think you're right. The barometer for next season has to be get into the playoffs. Um and depending on how the roster is constructed, you know, if they go out and get Russell Westbrook, if they get or if they get, you know, a legitimate um defensive center, if they trade for like a Rudy Gobert, Depending on the roster construction, I might raise those expectations. I might not say, I might say, all right, now you've got the that, roster. You've got the roster not do. to make a play in. You better make the playoffs and you better mm-hmm. make some noise in the playoffs. You know, but I got to see the roster construction first. Um, it, it, you know, hopefully, hopefully, this organization is not going to bring in another coach and hamstring that coach by, you know, not giving that coach a defensive center. Like I can I just yeah. can't believe that's gonna happen.
0: No, roster construction is going to be huge as far as what the expectations are going to be. Just like for any team and Charlotte Hornets, they're no different because they do have uh, quite a bit of holes that they need to address, especially defensively. All right, that'll do it. For Locked On Hornets today, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making this your first listen. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Now make sure your second listen is Locked On NBA, Locked On Experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available also wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow we should be starting those player capsules. We have all of the interviews, we have a lot of sound bites to comb through what kind of grade we might give to the players, just their overall thoughts and feelings, positives, negatives. You not want to go with the grades? Was that taboo? I want to give people
1: like little star stickers. I want to go buy something Target.
0: Yep. We'll rank them one through 10. We'll give them grades. We'll give them all sorts of stickers. That's coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.